millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Welcome to Soccer Morning on World Soccer Talk. Here's your host, Jason Davis. Good morning, everybody. Happy Friday. Welcome into Soccer Morning right here on WorldSoccerTalk.com. I hope your Friday is underway in a satisfactory manner. It certainly is on the streets of New York City, where the U.S. Women's National Team will be feted in just about two hours. The ticker tape parade getting uh, started up in NYC for the champions of the world, the U.S. Women's National Team. Should be good stuff. We will certainly be talking about that at some point. I'm not sure what we can do preview-wise, but we will talk about it at some point. Big day for for soccer and specifically for women's soccer. And Maybe we'll get into some of the elements of, of that little wrinkle in a couple of minutes here. We are lining up a big show today. In fact, to talk about the parade, Meg Linehan from Vice Sports will be on this show at 9.40 a.m. Eastern. Very excited to talk to Meg, who is there on the scene in New York City to cover the parade. Down the Canyon of Heroes. A uh, a very fabled stretch of street in New York City where the champions of that city, the Giants, the Yankees, the Mets way back when. <laughs> I'm sure that makes Trevor feel <laughs> warm and fuzzy back in 1986 when the Mets actually had one of these. Uh, <laughs> otherwise, several other, uh, several other moments in history marked by ticker tape parades in New York. And, uh, the U.S. Women's National Team will get their moment in the sun in a couple of hours. We're also going to talk about uh, the Gold Cup and let's get into the headlines here as we cover those events. Last night, and look ahead to the U.S. men's national team going into their second match of the tournament tonight. In Group C, Trinidad and Tobago started out the night with a 3-1 win over Guatemala. Sheldon Bateau, Cordell Cato, and Jovin Jones putting goals for Trinidad and Tobago in the first 26 minutes, 27 minutes of that game and certainly blitzed Guatemala with that, uh, with that run of goals. Surprised. Guatemala a bit. In the nightcap, Mexico absolutely destroyed Cuba 6-0. Arriba Peralta with a hat trick. Mexico took 44 shots in that game. It was an unfair, uh, unfair match on almost every level. Now, don't blame the Mexicans, certainly. 
uh, Cuba was dealing with uh, one defection and visa problems that limited their team. I believe six players missed that match as well as a coach, the coach. I'm not quite sure. Everything with Cuba is always up in the air when it comes to the Gold Cup. You're always bound to get at least one defection. Uh, we did. We already have one before their first match, and uh, they were sacrificial lambs at the hands of L3. Uh, as I mentioned, the United States tonight in Foxborough, Massachusetts, take on Haiti. That game goes off at 8.30 p.m. Eastern time. Ahead of that game, Honduras and Panama in the other Group C match. Um, remember, Honduras on zero points after losing to the United States. Panama on one after their 1-1 draw with the Haitians. There are some questions over the surface up there at Gillette Stadium in Foxborough. If you've seen any of those images being tweeted out by the people covering that game for Fox Sports 1, lots of seams as you get when you lay down real grass over artificial surfaces. I understand that the... Uh, that the Crafts bid pretty heavily to host some of these games. Uh, but, come on. Maybe get the surface right first, then consider whether or not uh, Robert Kraft is giving you favorable terms on the uh, revenue split. I, I don't know. There's got to be a better way to do this than risking not only the quality of the play, but the health of the players with, uh, with a, a terrible sod surface laid over artificial. I would rather them play on the artificial surface than play on something that uh, that is soft and, pl- and and gives too much and has these seams, which can certainly cause uh, twisted ankles and torn ligaments. You do have MLS tonight, by the way. San Jose and Houston, I think, are playing a game of, of MLS soccer. Is that is that the case? Because uh, I don't know that anybody else is really going to be paying attention to it out there in San Jose. That is an 11 11- PM kickoff. So that's a late match. If you, if you get done with USA and Haiti and you're not quite satisfied, maybe you go watch some San Jose and Houston. Remember, no Giles Barnes, no Chris Wondolowski. Uh, there's other people missing. No Cordell Cato, who scored last night for Trinidad and Tobago. Uh, so something that may not be, uh, worth a, a lot of your time, but, uh, MLS is ongoing. In Europe, room, or sorry, a story here, a transfer completed, Johan Kabai who moved from Newcastle to PSG not that long ago to join that grand experiment, has now moved to Crystal Palace back in the Premier League. So we'll see the Frenchman playing his uh, playing his soccer for the London club. There's also some Didier Drogba rumors floating around out there today. Uh, the Daily Mirror, Mayo, whichever one of those terrible rags, is saying something about Drogba following Lampard and Gerrard to MLS. I haven't even seen anything come out of the American press at all, so I've, I, I'm not sure that this is legitimate. And if it is, where could he possibly end up? What club could entice Didier Drogba? Maybe, uh, maybe if, uh, if Orlando City misses out on Chicharito, which is appar- apparently they will, he is talking to, I think, Sevilla, then perhaps, uh, Didier Drogba could be a backup plan for a year. I, I don't know. I'm not, uh, I don't know. Speaking of Orlando. I got a tough one, tough one this weekend, and there is a full MLS schedule this weekend. They host Dallas, who comes in pretty hot, uh, and they'll be, they'll be missing not only Kaká, who is suspended for his red card last week, but also Kyle Lahren, who's away with uh, the Canadian national team. So where does the scoring come from for Orlando City? Tough work for Adrian Heath um, tomorrow. Uh, let's come back to this uh, to this parade today. Obviously, a big moment for the U.S. Women's National Team. Again, talking to Meg Linehan from 
uh, Vice Sports later on in the show. We're going to try to squeeze somebody else in between now and then. I'm not sure who that is, so I don't want to promote too heavily. But when it comes to the uh, to this parade, there was some discussion yesterday, a rampant debate over the uh, appropriateness of MLS teams being involved in this parade. Uh, reports of MLS being one of the numerous corporate sponsors that are helped defraying the cost of the parade for the city. Uh, and with that seemed to have come a float for New York City FC and the New York Red Bulls. On the surface, this does not sound real cool to me. Uh, the, the, this parade is meant for the U.S. Women's National Team and nobody else. Why are we celebrating anybody that is not them, especially MLS teams who can only look like they're trying to horn in on the glory that the U.S. women uh, achieved? Now, the reason this broke is because NYCFC was raffling off spots on their float for, to fans. I, I don't know what that's all about. That's a, that's a bad look. Shouldn't be done. No offense to the fans of NYCFC. The other thing that did come out yesterday after the debate had been uh, going on for hours over at Once a Metro, there is a report, very good work by them, the uh, the Red Bulls blog at SB Nation, outlining that the New York Red Bulls float will be one that honors women's youth soccer in the area. Uh, the Red Bulls will have on their float Marguerite Fer- uh, Farrell and Molly Brady of the Red Bulls who helped coordinate the float. Uh, Farrell is the senior manager of coach recruitment and education with the Red Bulls and works with female regional development schools that the team runs. And Molly Brady is the Red Bull social media manager. They're both very involved in, uh, in girls soccer in, uh, in, in the Jersey area and the New York area. So they're going to be honored. There's going, so going to be some, um, some other players on this float. Anna Rose, a local special Olympics goaltender will be on this float. So, if anybody, if anybody has any problems with the Red Bull float, I'm not sure what they could possibly be at this point. Uh, they certainly done this the right way. I don't know what the NYCFC float's going to look like, and that remains to be seen. But regardless, today is about the U.S. Women's National Team. Uh, we'll get to, to the parade and talk about that a little bit later in the show. In the meantime, maybe some Mexico. Are we going to talk Mexico? Maybe. Stay right there. Find out if we're going to talk about Mexico. Be right back. Soccer morning, worldsoccertalk.com. Facing the crowd You're talking too loud This week, the U.S. Men's National Team kicks off its campaign to try to win back-to-back Gold Cups for the first time since 2005 and 2007. As many of you know, the past month of Women's World Cup and Copa America coverage have been augmented by our sponsor, Rabble.tv. They're giving people like me, Jerry Dubois, and Thomas Floyd an opportunity to provide you with an alternate commentary to several memorable games. Now that the Gold Cup is kicking off, we're going to continue our relationship with Rabble. Each U.S. game over the next week will feature a Rabble audio broadcast, including Friday's game, where I'll be bringing you USA against Haiti, as well as Monday, July 13th's game between USA and Panama, which will feature audio dialogue from World Soccer Talk's Cardiff Krishnire. With Rabble, the concept is simple. All you have to do is tune into the broadcast on TV, press the mute button, and then head on over to Rabble.tv to listen to me sharing my analysis. And if you have an iPhone, install the Rabble TV app and add a comment to the broadcast message board, then listen live via the app. Cheer on the red, white, and blue with Rabble.tv today.
Welcome back to Soccer Morning on World Soccer Talk with Jason Davis. Here we are back on a Friday show, not talking about Mexico. We tried to line up a guest, talk a little bit about that Mexico destruction of Cuba last night. Did not come together. These things happen. People are busy. They got jobs to do. They uh, they usually come on come on this show, you know, out of the graciousness of their own hearts, and uh, sometimes they're just not available. So that means the phone lines are open for the next half hour until we grab, well, not half hour, 35 minutes, 25. I can't do math today. 25 minutes until Meg Linehan joins us to talk about the U.S. women's national team, not just the parade. We'll talk about NWSL. We'll talk about the legacy of this team in relation to women's soccer and soccer in general and certainly compare that a bit to the 99ers, which I know is a difficult task, and yet it will be done many, many times over you know what let's take a chance here i don't know that this is happening but if anybody out there is listening in new york and you're either at the parade on the parade route somewhere listening to the show via your phone or some other magical device or you're on your way to said parade give us a call 646-832-3909 i want to hear from people who are there in nyc getting ready for ticker tape parade style big up big time ticker ticker tape parade style I mean, that's got to be one of the headiest things to ever happen as a professional athlete. I mean, I, I can't imagine walking out in front of 50,000, 60,000, 100,000 people the way that some athletes get to. I cannot imagine what, and they're watching you. I can't imagine what that's like. The Tigger Day Parade has to be on a different level though, because one, you're not, you're not performing. So your, your concentration isn't split. You know, you're there paying attention to the crowd as much as they, they're paying attention to you. And it's it's such a unique event. People play in front of 80,000 people in sporting events all the time. I mean, I, I don't want to make that like it's a normal thing for anybody except amazing athletes. It's not. But athletes get to play in front of big crowds pretty regularly. They don't get t- ticker tape parades regularly. People don't get tick. I mean, if, they, if I went back and looked at a list, and I know there's been some discussion over the the last time a woman or women were given a ticker tape parade was like think 1960. So clearly this is a very unique experience for, for women, which it shouldn't be, but it is not only that it's got the athlete element to it, the athletic element, the, the, the accomplishment, but I mean, these things have happened for numerous reasons here. I, I like this list. This is good. A little history. I've never been, to a ticker tape parade, but you know, I'd love to go to one. 1886, the the first ticker tape parade was held to dedicate the statue and uh, in honor of the dedication of the Statue of Liberty. Uh, 1924, athletes were honored with a parade for the first time. U.S. athletes returning from the Paris Olympic Games marched through the Canyon of Heroes. There have been 206 parades. This is according to a story from oh today. Imagine that or yesterday. This is by the numbers, not listing them all. There have been 206, so this isn't a complete list. But you've also had um, astronauts honored, Armstrong, Aldrin, Collins, presidents honored, uh, popes. John Paul II got one. Um, I'm just looking here. Yeah, some good numbers. Some fantastic. And, and here's the other thing. Here's another thing to tack on to this that I very much like. Officials say they're planning to unfurl the world's largest free-flying American flag 
So the George Washington Bridge is a tribute to the World Cup soccer champions. The 450-pound flag is to be flown between 10 a.m. and 2 p.m. Friday as New York City throws a ticker tape parade. Its stripes are about five feet wide. The stars measure about four feet in diameter. All right. I guess it's a flag that they pull out on Flag Day and fly from the George Washington Bridge every year, and it's going to get pulled out for uh, it's going to get pulled out for the U.S. Women's National Team. So there's a there's another bit of uh, excitement there in New York City as the ticker tape parade gets uh, gets wound gets uh, gets started here. Not started yet. Eleven and eleven o'clock. The thing gets started. But again, I'm, I'm sure people are out there on the parade route right now, enjoying themselves, taking in the atmosphere, holding up red, white, and blue signs, and uh, wearing red, white, and blue. Who's uh, who's dressing up to go to the the parade? Who's who's cosplaying at the parade? That's what I want to know. I got to hear a little bit of Carly Lloyd talking to um, Glenn Crooks and Anto Bianco on uh, uh, Counterattack on, on Sirius XM last night. Uh, fantastic interview. Fantastic uh, achievement of hers, obviously, talking about moving this into her NWSL season. She's going to play this weekend. I mean, or what, the next game, whatever that is. She's going to play. I think that is this weekend. I think Sunday they might be playing. Something like that. And Carly Lloyd was talking about, hey, you know, I, I got to go right back into it. And of course, they, there's going to be some sort of letdown from a World Cup final to a women's professional soccer match. But she seems very committed to keeping her level as high as it possibly can be. She said people are coming out to watch. I'm going to give everything I've got. It's an amazing attitude. Uh, and, and I can't even imagine what that's like to go from world, winning a world championship and being the hero with a hat trick in 16 minutes and being all of a sudden being one of the most popular athletes in the country and then have to downshift from that to playing. And again, I'm not, I'm not trying to undersell NWSL here. I'm not trying to down, downplay NWSL. It's important. It's her job, but it can't reach the heights of a, of a World Cup final. That's pretty clear. Phone lines are open, 646-832-3909. The U.S. men's national team tonight against Haiti. Certainly want to get uh, pick your brains on the issue of lineup, on what Jurgen Klinsmann should do. Remember, this isn't just about, well, they weren't that good against Honduras. They struggled a bit against Honduras. We should make some changes because... It, wasn't great against Honduras. No, this is also about the number of games coming on top of one another in the Gold Cup group stage being forced to rotate your squad. If you have changes, what are they? Where do you make those those shifts? Because Klinsman keeps talking up Alvarado and Brooks as the center back pairing of the future. He keeps some praise on Ventura Alvarado yesterday at a press conference ahead of, the, ahead of the game with Haiti that I just do not understand. Um, somebody on Twitter, I think it might have been our friend Mike Goodman from uh, from Grantland, he said something about feeling insane watching Ventura Alvarado and then seeing those quotes. It makes you feel like you're an insane person. When you watch Alvarado play for the U.S. Men's National Team so far, you are trying to be as objectively uh, you know, as objective as possible in your analysis. It's hard. 
But we're trying to be as objective as possible. I don't think he's played well. In fact, I think he's been a tire fire. And then Jurgen Klinsmann comes out and says, oh, he's been playing great. In fact, we could see him moving up to play a six later on in his career. Wait, what? Huh? Can you repeat that? Because I don't get it. That doesn't make, that does not compute. Your language does not make sense, Eric Klinsman. Klinsman. Messed that up. I don't know, man. Here's a story over at MLSsoccer.com. Klinsman using Haiti game as audition for U.S. men's national team roster spots for the rest of the tournament. So here we have a coach who, again, let's, let's reset. Let's go back in time. Let's talk about the roster he put together. The roster that he himself said was a no more experiments roster. This is our best team. Let's go win a, let's go win a Gold Cup. And now here we are, one game into the tournament, one, one game. They haven't played Haiti yet, one game. And his words are, we're going to use this as an audition for the rest. Wait, so that ro- that first roster that you called up, that ro- that 23-man roster you've got right now, that's not that's not the best roster you possibly... Because I know you can make some changes. Six of them. By the way, that's insane. Six changes to your Gold Cup roster after the group stage. But really, this is where you are now. There's some quotes here. These are new to me, new to you. There's a tricky situation that, especially now in the Gold Cup, you play every three days. The group games, which is a very short turnaround for every team. We think through that. We also still see a lot of competition going on in our own team. There are quite a lot of 50-50 situations going on the table. That's kind of, I don't know what that means exactly. There's also the situation that theoretically every team can switch players after the group stage. The players know as well. So if you're the, the 23rd man, uh, 23rd player on the roster now, you don't want to lose anything. You, you want to be here on the 26th of July in Philadelphia. This kind of, this kind of all gives it more spice and hopefully there's a lot of spice here tomorrow night so he's actively fostering competition within his team now I, I get that you want guys to be going out and training giving everything they got so they can earn a starting roster uh, uh, earn a starting spot but it just seems that this is you know again Jurgen Klinsmann talking out of both sides of his mouth that's what that's what he does no one's surprised Jose on Twitter, Alvarado and Brooks are both 22 years old. There's so much potential. It will only get better. They have at least two World Cups ahead. Sure. But in the meantime, you don't want to lose a Gold Cup because you stuck with the two 22-year-old center backs who may or may not represent the best combination of players at the back. Just saying. Just saying. I like John Brooks on some level. He's got to grow into himself. He's still got some room for improvement. He's got to learn on the job. I get that. And you want these guys to play, but you also don't want them to be the reason you lose the tournament. I don't think it's going to be a big deal against Haiti. Probably won't be. I don't know if they're both going to start, but we'll see. Here's who can, who do you expect to most definitely start, regardless of what changes Klinsman makes to his lineup? I think we expect to most definitely start 
Michael Bradley. Guaranteed, right? Clint Dempsey, does he start? Or do you need to rest that guy? Do you need to save him up? You got to remember, your last group game is Panama. Much uh, much more difficult opponent than Haiti. Although they both, they, those two teams tied in the first round, I know. First game. And then you head into the quarterfinals. Provided you get the points to, to advance. I mean, you expect to do that tonight against Haiti, as a matter of fact. But Panama, you may need to win that game to win the group. I, I don't know. I mean, that, that certainly can be on the table. 646-832-3909. Got about 10 minutes until we talk to Meg Linehan from Vice Sports about the U.S. Women's National Team ticker tape parade in New York City. Canyon of Heroes. Talk about NWSL moving forward. The return of those heroes to their NWSL homes. What that shift has to be like. I mean, I just can't imagine. Here's a funny story, depending on which side of things you stand on. Apparently, Pro Football Talk is reporting that the StubHub Center could be a temporary home for an L.A. NFL team. The Rose Bowl decided not to bid as a temporary host for an NFL team in Los Angeles. In Los Angeles, excuse me. That leaves the Coliseum, which only wants to host one team, not two, along with the baseball stadiums of the Dodgers and Angels. The other option is the 27,000-seat StubHub Center, home of the LA Galaxy. StubHub is more realistic than some may believe. There's something interesting about playing in a smaller facility to start with creating a scarcity of tickets and increase the level of interest early on. It's part of a complex that's easy to get into. There's space around it to do events. And frankly, AEG knows how to put on events. This is from Mark Gannis, president and co-founder of consulting firm Sports Corp. He told that to the LA Times. Ah, this is not, that's not good. Ah, uh, I like football too. Not enough to do a show about it. But don't get, keep your football out of my soccer and your soccer out of my football. Not, those are not two great tastes that taste great together. Let's not go back to those. That'd be, it would be hilarious. The role reversal would be a hilarious though. Be a hilarious thing. Consider that the LA Galaxy started life in a football stadium. Everybody in, in this league that's old enough started life in a football stadium and here, there's a rumor that maybe perhaps the L.A. NFL team, if there is one, could start life uh, new in the StubHub Center, which is a soccer-specific building. I know they do the X Games there, too, but uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Pretty amazing. A uh, little, uh, little tidbit from Jeff Crandall, our friend Jeff Crandall, Hefe Crandall on Twitter. Haiti is one of two CONCACAF nations the U.S. men's national team has a losing record against. All six losses between 1968 and 1973, 5-6-5. Can the United States balance out that win-loss record today, tonight? You would certainly hope so. But, but, Haiti's probably more tricky than we give them credit for. I think that that's, I mean, I don't want to be alarmist here, but it's not as though, it's not as though the United States has shown 
a propensity for putting the lesser teams to the sword the same way, I don't know, Mexico does. Yes, Mexico's struggled against some of the minnows or smaller club, uh, smaller nations. But they also did what they were supposed to against Cuba last night and won six to nothing. Now, they won six to nothing on 44 shots. They probably should have scored a couple of more, but, you know, neither here nor there. Six four six eight three two thirty nine oh nine. Phone lines open on a Friday. If you would like to jump in, we will uh, talk about whatever is on your mind today. Scanning the headlines. Steven on Twitter, I'm expecting Josie and Wandalowski. Against Haiti, this is Wanda-like game where I see him taking a brace before getting subbed. Certainly see that happening. Give Wandala, or give uh, Josie Outdoor an opportunity to play against the country of his parents, an opportunity to maybe get his feet underneath him against a weaker opponent, and then uh, Chris Wondolowski. Yeah, rest Clint Dempsey, give Chris Wondolowski an opportunity to play. Probably picks up a couple of goals, and uh, yeah, we're all we're all good there. We're all good there. When was that uh, that USA Haiti match in which Stu Holden scored the amazing? Long-range goal. I'm trying to remember when that was. 2009? Is that right? 2000, 2009. Seems like, seems like yesterday, but it wasn't. It was a long, long time ago. Six full years ago. Stu Holden was on the field for the United States. Now that was the off-year Gold Cup, of course. The U.S. was grouped with Honduras, Haiti, and Grenada in Group B in that year. And they drew with Haiti 2-2. Two to two. United States just doesn't, for whatever reason, and again, I know that that was not the U.S., the best team the U.S. has ever put out. In fact, let's go look at the lineup. Uh, I lost it. I don't have it. Uh, I was going to look at the lineup for that game, but the link is dead. The two goal scorers, Davey Arnault, early, then the United States gave up two goals just after halftime, and then Stu Holton had to score in the 90th plus two in order to, to salvage a draw for the United States. They nearly lost to Haiti in 2009 at the Gold Cup. Could we see a repeat this evening? If we do see anything close to a repeat tonight, and I know Haiti surprised a bit against Panama, but if we see anything close to a repeat of that tonight, people are going to have... uh an aneurysm a mass there's gonna be a mass aneurysm jose says i think we should sacrifice pace for quality play mix and bedoya instead of zardis and yedlin zardis should be playing striker yeah you put i i, I definitely agree with that push uh jesse zardis back up to a forward position maybe give him a run out instead of wandalowski bring wando off the bench uh, as for Mix on one of the flanks, I'm okay with Wadoya, but as for Mix, if he's, if he's he healthy all the way, um, Mix seems to be locked in to, um, a holding midfield position under Jurgen Klinsman at this point. I don't, do we even get the sense that Klinsman would play Mix Discarude on one of the flanks? I, I don't know. I think at this point, he seems to think of him as a, a backup to Kyle Beckerman. And if that's the case, then you probably won't see him on the flank. 
Bedoya should certainly. Uh, I, I'd like to get a look at Bedoya if he's if he's fit and healthy. That would be good. Let's uh, let's maybe rotate out Timmy Timmy Chandler. The only problem is then who do you put in that position? It might have to be Brad Evans. Remember, you got Aaron Johansson in this team as well. Uh, he might deserve a run out at some point, or you need to get a look at him. You got Tim Ream could play it right back. Although I, I'm pretty sure Klinsman thinks of him as a center back. We know DeAndre Yedlin started and in the midfield against Honduras. Could he see a move back to right back? Graham Zusi also in this team. He may see a start. We really have no idea what Clinton's going to put out tonight. I think the givens are Guzan, Bradley, and maybe that's not it. Maybe that's it. Maybe that's maybe that's the the list right now. Bradley and Guzan. Uh, in terms of guarantees tonight, because yeah, I could certainly see him rotating out most of these other players. He won't rotate the ball out. Some of those, some of those guys who played against Honduras will get another run, but some of them won't. Beckerman for Mix, uh, Bedoya for Yedlin. Trying to think of what else here. I meant Beck. Did I say Mix for Beckerman or the other way around? I meant Mix for Beckerman. Greg Garza at left back. Push Fabian Johnson into the midfield. There you go. That's it. Can we do that, please? I'd like to see that. I'd like to see that. Uh, I don't know how much we'll learn about the U.S. men's national team tonight uh, against Haiti. That's not because Haiti is a disaster. They're not. Uh, but there will be some changes. This won't be the best team possible. Although if they play like it against a weaker opponent, it'll be interesting to see how we all respond on on Saturday morning to questions of who should play in the next game against Panama and then moving forward into the knockout rounds of the tournament. So that's tonight at 8.30 p.m. Eastern, Fox Sports 1. Speaking of Fox Sports 1, they'll have live video of the U.S. Women's National Team's ticker tape parade down the Canyon of Heroes in New York City at 11 a.m. Eastern. And we will talk to somebody who will be there. Meg Linehan, already there, I'm sure, getting set. She's from Vice Sports, and she'll give us her take on this parade and everything else in women's soccer. Don't go anywhere. Soccer Morning, WorldSoccerTalk.com. This week, the U.S. Men's National Team kicks off its campaign to try to win back-to-back Gold Cups for the first time since 2005 and 2007. As many of you know, the past month of Women's World Cup and Copa America coverage have been augmented by our sponsor, Rabble.tv. They've given people like me, Jerry Dubois, and Thomas Floyd an opportunity to provide you with an alternate commentary to several memorable games. Now that the Gold Cup is kicking off, we're going to continue our relationship with Rabble. Each U.S. game over the next week will feature a Rabble audio broadcast, including Friday's game, where I'll be bringing you USA against Haiti, as well as Monday, July 13th's game between USA and Panama, which will feature audio dialogue from World Soccer Talk's Cardiff Krishnair. With Rabble, the concept is simple. All you have to do is tune into the broadcast on TV, press the mute button, and then head on over to Rabble.tv to listen to me sharing my analysis. And if you have an iPhone, install the Rabble TV app and add a comment to the broadcast message board, then listen live via the app. Cheer on the red, white, and blue with Rabble.tv today.
Welcome back to Soccer Morning on World Soccer Talk with Jason Davis. Here we go, back on Soccer Morning. Happy Friday. It's a beautiful Friday in New York City. I hope it's beautiful. Meg Linehan from Vice Sports is on the line with us now. She is there. She's in the, I imagine she's already in the Canyon of Heroes. I hope she is. Meg, is that where you are right I, now? I am absolutely in the Canyon of Heroes. I'm right at the corner of Bethany Street and Broadway, which is where they set up a press area for still photographers. So the, this area of the freight route is already jammed, probably like three or four rows back with people. That's that's amazing. It's uh, it's good to see that the the people are getting out there early to grab their spots. Um, the parade itself, I believe, starts in uh, I don't know about eighty minutes or so. Um, you know, th- let's just talk about this moment and, and what it what it means for this team in particular. We we can broaden it out to a bigger picture in a second, Meg, but. You know, they, these, these women certainly deserve this. And, and I, I remember it not being, not, not too long ago, we, us questioning whether the rest of the world had completely passed them by and if they would ever get back to this. Um, yeah. what's this, what, what do you think this is like and what is this like for women's soccer and this team right now? I mean, personally, like I have been in women's soccer since pretty much, you know, I grew up playing youth soccer as a kid. I followed the 99 team. In 2000, I immediately went to work for the Boston Breakers in WSA. I've never seen anything like this. I mean, the fact that New York City is packed, they're screaming across the street right now, and it's 9.40. These, like, the, the folks aren't actually going to be down here for probably at least another hour and a half, and people are just losing their minds. So for the players, I can only imagine that this is really going to be not only something special, but basically setting the new standard of what, we can set our sights on for a regular thing in the future. Yeah, you know, Megan, I think this is interesting. I don't like to, I don't want to make a lot of comparisons between this team and the 99ers. It's different eras, different, yeah. uh, different, different, um, environments that they're operating in. And, and yet, you know, and, and the 99 legacy is, is secure, but this is, this is, does seem to be something different and something beyond. And, and that, again, that's no offense to the 99ers. It's just we're, we're talking about a different cultural moment for these women. Right. Absolutely. I mean, I think you see a, you know, a fan base that has grown up with that team for sure. You know, at least in my age bracket, but also the young kids, they know that team, but this is now their team. And I don't want to take away from anything that the team has accomplished, but, you know, they, they are in a situation now where the 99 team has given them the ability and a, a better educated fan base. I mean, you walk this parade route and you see Julie Johnston jerseys. You see Becky Sauerbrunn's jerseys. You see Megan, like it's the entire team. So it's not just Mia Hamm, Julie Cotty, that sort of, you know, name recognition that was really focused in 99. This is the entire team and every single player on every single one of these floats is going to be known by the people on this parade route. And, you know, I, I was talking earlier on the show that I got the chance to hear Carly Lloyd being interviewed on Sirius XM last night. Um, and, and mm-hmm. one thing Carly is very adamant about is that she wants to be known as, as an athlete, as a soccer player. She wants to be a great yeah. soccer player and recognized yeah. for being a great soccer player. She doesn't want to have to do some of the other things that have traditionally come with women's sports. And, right. and, and does, do you feel as though that's, there's a transformative moment happening around that notion right now? Absolutely. And I mean, you look at the amount of money that she has the potential to make from endorsements and things of that nature. Like right at the moment, they're saying twelve to eighteen million dollars, and really, she—I mean, she has that Nike deal already. It's not like she hasn't been doing these things, but she is getting picked up by these companies because of her play in the tournament and really nothing else. Which I think is the way that it should be. If you're a good athlete, if you 
And this is the Carly Lloyd method. If you work hard, you're going to get that reward. And mm-hmm. so I think this is finally maybe the cultural shift of it's actually a system that works a little bit better and rewards athletes who perform well. Now this is a this is an amazing moment. Um, obviously, this doesn't happen that often. The, the ticker tape parade. Uh, there's been a little bit of discussion uh, about the, <laughs> the things around this parade, Meg. And I don't, yes. don't want to make this about. Uh, I, I really don't want to pull the thing down by talking about the negatives. But there, there's certainly you know it's it's important to point out that women don't get ticker tape parades nearly as much as they they should, and that this right. it's been a long time coming for this, and that there is a notion that. Some of the men's soccer elements are, are either trying to glom on or, 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 or just maybe inserting themselves in an inappropriate way. Where do you feel, uh, where do you fall on all of that? I mean, I think it evolved definitely yesterday in terms of, you know, there was the initial reaction of why are Red Bull and NYCFC getting in on this? And, you know, MLS has definitely put money into this parade. When I, I got here, I, I left Boston at 2 30 in the morning in order to come. And the first thing I saw, when I got out of uh, the, the subway across from City Hall was an NWSL logo. And at this point, it's actually repeating, and there is, like, an NYCFC logo, and it's, it's sort of rotating through the thing. But I, I don't necessarily – I was definitely a little amped up yesterday. I think that uh, Jennifer Doyle had a really great point on Twitter, and it's a, it's a very delicate situation because, I mean, I'm a huge – I love MLS. I'm a, I'm a Red fan. I'm a season ticket holder. There is definitely a place for all of these organizations in U.S. soccer, but at this point, this is about one specific team, and um, I think everybody was just kind of hoping that it wouldn't get lost in the shuffle of, you know, this needs to be a New York City parade, this needs to be a U.S. soccer, American soccer overall parade. But based on the float listings that I saw this morning, it really is, there's one at the start that's a Coke float, so a sponsor float, and then there are at least five different player floats. Mm-hmm. And I really think that is the brunt of the parade. So I think people are going to be okay with this content. And, you know, again, it's about today, it's about this parade, it's about celebrating these women and their accomplishment, but we know that um, the burden that they that they shoulder is is carrying the momentum from this victory yeah. and, and all the attention they've gotten in back into NWSL and back into the, the, the women's game in general. Um you know, how difficult is that going to be? I know that we've heard some good things in terms of ticket sales and some attention. I know there's going to be uh, some games broadcast on television. How, yes. you know, it's a strike while the iron is hot situation, but you don't want it to, to burn out too quickly. How, how do they do this? I think, uh, one of the first things they need to start looking at is selling season tickets to next year because you're going to have that temporary boost right now. It's happening all over the place. I was at, the Boston Breakers game last night, actually, and for a midweek crowd in Boston, they usually, they do okay, they don't do that great. There were uh, 2,500 people there, so you can already see that there's going to be that short-term boost, but you have to start targeting those people who are going to only maybe give the sport one chance and try to get them both put out an entertaining product. We've got to, you know, increase the quality of broadcast the branding, the marketing. You have to go after these adults who are coming in and have just had a great time in, like, the American Outlaw section, in the games and the tournament. Chase after that demographic. Demographic is going to spend money on your product. Mm-hmm. The, the little kids are going to come regardless. They always are. It's super easy to market these teams. Um, they've got to start working on some better sponsorship deals. I mean, there's a lot 
that really has to happen. I don't know if that long-term vision is there. Mm-hmm. The league commissioner actually just did an interview with MLS, and he said, you know, he hopes to see the, the fan base evolve over five to ten years into something that looks more like what Portland Thorns gets on a weekly basis. Because you do have markets that are struggling. But now is the time to sort of assess, get that long-term plan into place, and really take advantage of the situation that you have. Well, it's clearly for the NWSL, in light of what happened with WUSA and WPS, it's got to be about stability, right? So, you know, right. when, when we see what the, the Portland Thorns are doing or what the Dash have, uh, the partnership the Dash right. have with the Dynamo, is that, you know, there, there, I imagine that there's an instinct, okay, we're going to be overshadowed or this is going to be an unfair partnership and yet those that infrastructure element that those MLS teams bring is is very important um Absolutely. is that something is that a trend we could see is you expect a, a, an uptick in interest on the part of professional men's teams to partner with women's teams I do I mean we've already seen uh Red Bulls had actually talked to Sky Blue FC uh you know a year and a half two years ago about potentially picking up Sky Blue and working them into the the Red Bull family it didn't happen at the time I do think MLS, there's been a huge MLS presence here, uh, at least from a, a press quarter side that I've already seen today. I do think that there is going to be more cross-promotion at the very least. I do think that the investment from MLS, at least in today's period, is a good first sign. But in terms of the little things that they can do on a day-to-day basis in terms of putting eyeballs on the midweek games that don't necessarily have the attendance or the markets that are struggling, that's where it's really going to come into play. Well, Beck, I, I think there's a there's an open question as to the the obligation. Um, certainly, U.S. soccer has an obligation to women's soccer and to the women. I'm going to come to to pay and FIFA and all that here in a second. But when it comes to MLS and and the MLS teams, where do you place? I mean, how heavy do you think the obligation is on those organizations to be partnered and to help support and and in some cases fund? Uh, advances in the women's game? I don't know if it's necessarily an obligation. I think it's a huge market that is still waiting for, okay. you know, to actually really be tapped because when I, at least when I go to Revolution Games, it's a fairly decent mix between the men and the women. You have a whole other market of women soccer fans. Okay. Um, sorry, I'm getting moved. <laughs> That's okay. So, um, so, I don't know if it's necessarily an obligation, but I do think that it's it's money that's waiting to be spent. Okay. Well, it's just that we seem to, the the narrative around soccer, and and certainly this hasn't included women's soccer nearly as much as it should have in the past, but the narrative always seems to be that we're all in this together. It's kumbaya. Let's all help each other out. And I don't know that that's where the the impetus is actually going to be on organizations to help. That You're right. It's probably more about Ultimately, it's more about business than anything else, which is not the way we like it, but the way it is. Um, in terms of, of money, a lot of attention around the discrepancy in the amount of that the women win for a World Cup, the men, the pay. Right. What, what, is there, is there going to be any, any protests around the parade involving that element? I know Ultraviolet was, was saying some oh, things. Oh, I, I would doubt that very much. I, I don't know if, uh, Julie Foddy actually wrote uh, I, an article that I agree with more. Some of the other stuff, like I think it's, I think it's total, it's awful, right? The total discrepancy. FIFA, though, I mean, if we look at FIFA. I, I don't know why people have these high expectations of FIFA because 
basically at this point I expect absolutely nothing and whatever we do get I think is, you know, at least a step in the right direction. Um, it's already been an increase in the, the prize money. I think that the greater focus is putting the money into development, putting the money into developing women's programs, that then you get stronger programs in the tournament. You can justify, you know, better ad revenue, better mm-hmm. prize money. There's also work to be done at home. NWSL salaries, the minimum salary is still under $7,000 for the entire season. Right. So that's something that we have control over to some extent within U.S. soccer and their, you know, involvement in NWSL. So that's, I think that's an easier place for us to put pressure on and figure out how to fix at home first in order to not only get some better pay quality, but also develop our own players and make the league a stronger league. And actually, you know, there were so many NWSL players that retired before the start of this season. It was ridiculous. It was every other day you were getting a retirement announcement. So if you spend that money and keep the salaries at a living space, it's already a better step in the right direction. Sure, there's certainly a, 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 a process that has to happen. I think a lot of people have a, an issue with any argument that says, well, the, the, the women's tournament doesn't bring in the revenue of the men's kind of misses oh, the point. What, what you're suggesting is an in run around the argument over does the revenue justify the pay? Which, which again, it's a chicken and egg problem. If you, if you're not putting, right. if you're not putting the effort in, you're never going to get the revenue out to justify the, et cetera, et cetera, down the line. Right. And I mean, if you look at the numbers that just came back from Fox, they were expecting what, 17 million or something like that in terms of ad revenue and they ended up with 40 million plus. Mm-hmm. So it's not that the money isn't there or, you know, like the, the expectations, the actual results were much higher. So, I think putting that that extra money in is not a bad idea by any stretch of the imagination. Meg, um, as, before I let you go, it sounds like things are getting slowly ramped up there. At least yeah. there's some there's some woohooing. Um, you know what? What do you imagine the legacy of this team will be, and just in creating soccer fans, the, the same way that that the 99ers did, or or you know when the men's team goes on a World Cup run, we hear about all these new soccer fans. Do you think there's going to be a major bump there? I, I, I do think there is, but I think the support network of this team, the people who cover the league, you know, is, is people like me who have to continue pitching. I think we all got a lot of work on the World Cup. We need to make sure that these, these players, the teams, NWSL are still getting attention after because without the attention, it's just, it's just going to die off. So if, if everybody needs to actually work together, there needs to be some real discussion of how we support it from every level it certainly uh needs to be yes needs to be kept in the spotlight that's this is a, i think this is a message to uh, to all of the editors <laughs> ed- sports editors of the world <laughs> from meg linehan uh i know i know your editor at advice sports will certainly be uh open to all of that my uh, editor has been great yeah. so i mean and i've already started talking you know we got to have more end of the film stories it's not like these players are disappearing off the face of the planet they're still going to be playing and they're still so many other players in this league who didn't make teams or made international teams who have stories that maybe an American audience don't know. And that's how you get people out to this league and supporting U.S. women's soccer year-round and not just at major tournaments like the World Cup and like the Summer Olympics. Yeah, absolutely. Meg Linehan from Vice Sports, uh, she did. She covered the Women's Cup and uh, women's World Cup and did a fantastic job. She's out at the parade in New York. Enjoy the parade. 
Meg, Thank and uh, maybe we'll talk to you uh, in the near future about how that went and certainly about NWSL. Thanks for the time. All right. Thank you so much. There goes uh, Meg Linehan. Good stuff from her. I think that's, uh, you know, I didn't want to keep her too long. She is enjoying herself. It is about an hour out from the actual parade start, but she is a journalist working angles and stories. So, uh, there's, uh, there's things for her to do. She was very gracious to come on and talk about, uh, talk about that day and everything that this means for women's soccer and soccer in general. I mean, I think there is a, uh, that last question there. There is a bump that we're going to see in the, t- the attention on the sport, I, I, you know, we talk about the, the 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 World Cup bump for MLS, and it's never really there in the way that we logically want it to to be there. Imagine it could be there. People fade away. We are a big event culture, sports culture. We do big events. We watch the Super Bowl in mag- massive numbers. Now we watch the NFL in big numbers too, but we watch the Super Bowl in massive numbers, and those are numbers that are partly made up from people who don't pay attention to any football game the rest of the year. They're there for the commercials, or they're there for the party, or they're there for whatever reason. And that's true of the Men's World Cup. It's true of the Women's World Cup. 23, 20, whatever that was, 23 million people watched the final. Overall, Fox made more than double what they what they expected to make in terms of ad revenue on the tournament. There are all of these positive metrics to push forward and imagine that soccer has exploded. But we know how this goes. We've seen this story before. It's a matter of, as Meg said, it's the hard work to keep the attention on these women when they go back to their club teams and, um, you know, on, uh, on soccer in general for the rest of us, all of us, we, we focus within our little soccer bubble. We spend more time focusing on the women and the NWSL, but in a general soccer sense, we continue to push our game, whatever, cover our game in the way that we want it to be covered. We don't have to be out there, you know, spreading the gospel, so to speak. I'm well, I'm well past that. I'm well past the whole, you know, let's, uh, let's be soccer missionaries in America or whatever that is, whatever, whatever that word is that where you go out and you spread the, yeah, that thing. Sorry. Don't have it in my repertoire right now. I do have the word repertoire, but not that word in my repertoire. Thank you very much to Meg Linehan for joining us. That was uh, an excellent uh, chat. Hopefully we'll have her back on in the very near future uh, to cover many, many other things uh, within the soccer world. All right, I think I'm getting ready to wrap this one up. Very much appreciate you guys listening on a Friday. I hope your weekend goes well. U.S. men, Haiti, tonight, Gold Cup, Gillette Stadium on the terrible turf. Let's hope there's a win coming because remember, the last time the United States played Haiti in a Gold Cup match, they didn't win. They lost that, or they drew that, they drew that game in the same venue, the same stadium back in 2009. Long time ago. Stu Holden was the future back then. Weep for Stu Holden's career. All right, guys. Woo! Uh, quite the week. Quite the week. I'm going to go watch that parade. Why well, no, I can't. I got Sirius XMFC. Oh, well. We'll watch the parade while I do the show. We'll talk to you guys on Monday. See you then. Bye. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. 
That's what you'll feel with Bolin Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bolin Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at bolinbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.